My name is Eric, I'm from Epic Life, and I'm so glad. I love you guys. We don't have as much as a college group as we have like a family. I feel like it's like, well, that's my mom cheering or something, you know. Some of you are. Um, it's great, and uh, I'm so excited to share with you guys tonight. I, it's such an honor to be able to, to do this and to be together with all these groups. And I just remember a first coffee meeting that Sal and I had with Sean. And we're at a, a Starbucks, and we're just like, man, you know, God is really interested in unity, and what if we did something together, and, you know, what if we're the example, and it's just such an awesome thing to stand here and just, like, look at you guys and, like, whoa, like, it all happened, and we're here, so I'm so excited. Um, just a couple quick things. <clears throat> I really feel burdened for the Lord uh, on the word he has for us tonight, and so um, I'm a little more interactive style, like, I'm going to, like, throw hands around and things like that, but one thing I, I would encourage you guys, like, you know, I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a, you know, something that, like, are you a paying attention, you know? If, if you want to give an amen or you want to do something, you can stand up. I don't care. Like, I'll come and give you another high five and a stand or something. So um, if the Lord is, is pinging you on your heart on a point, on a truth, just, like, respond. The worst thing that we can do as Christians is when God hits us with something, just be like, hmm, interesting. Did I have Taco Bell twice yesterday? You know, like, like when God moves, we have to respond. So... Oh, let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, help. <laughs> Lord, there's coins here on the floor. This is awesome. Someone lost their money while worshiping you. Return it tenfold, Lord. <laughs> it's only 12 cents, so return it a trillionfold. So, uh, it's awesome. But Lord, we, we, we come here before you. And God, we're just, we're so in need of an intimate encounter with you. Thank you, Lord, that that's already happened, and I just pray, Lord, that now the words that you have for us are just a continuation of what you've already spoken into existence. Lord, these are nothing, uh, nothing new for us, but Lord, that we would encounter them together for the first time together, and God, they bring new light to us, and so we pray that you just would send your word to take root in our hearts and germinate and transform us, amen. Amen. A little bit about me. Um, I'm uh, not too much older than you guys. I'm 29. Uh, my, I've been married seven years, though. My wife is not here. Um, if, if she was here, you'd be like, how did that guy get that girl? So she's awesome, and uh, she can't be here. She is seven weeks away from giving birth to our first child. So I don't know if, ever, if Woodleaf has ever delivered a child here. I didn't want to be the first, so, and neither did my wife. But she's not here, but she's absolutely amazing. Um, I, I, I had a really rough time when I was your age of encountering what is a real God. I grew up in a great church, a great family. God was always there. He's always a part of it. And I really wrestled with like, where is the real God? There's got to be something more than just these kind of habits and behaviors and things. I was really into ideas. I was really into graphic design. I started a business in college and uh, I graduated my senior year. I put pros to my soon-to-be wife. And within four months after graduating, I started my business, went into it full-time, got married, and my wife is a graduate student uh, to be a horse veterinarian, and so she was on me for all of our income. And, uh, and I was like, well, here we go. And the Lord provided because I, I followed his voice. I followed what God was saying, I'm going to provide for you. Trust me with your entire heart, your soul. Matthew 6.33 says, if you seek him first and his righteousness, all these things will be given unto you. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to seek you first and I'm going to trust that you're going to make that rent payment. 
in four weeks. It was awesome. Oh, I love this already. This is going to be fun. I don't have something to unzip and take off, but if I did, I would. So, <laughs> oh man, where was I? You guys are ru- ruining me. It's great. But I'll tell you what, the Lord never let me go late on a single payment in my life, ever. And not only that, but over the next three years, I built a business, and in three years, I had a million dollars in sales. It was crazy. And my, my entire vocation is helping other people take their ideas and get them off to market. So you have an idea, and you have, hey, I have, you know, XYZ widget. You know, I have an iPad. You know, I want to get this, you know, an idea. And so we would take all the ideas and put it together, and we'd, like, figure out how do we get this into the hands of everybody else. And it can be all sorts of different ventures and things. So I've been doing that for seven years. And I'll tell you what, it's been a, a method of stewardship of God give me a little bit. I started out just with like logos. And it's like, God, okay, business cards. Okay, now let's do a website. Now let's do this. Now let's start doing some back-end programming. Now let's, do, now let's bring on employees. And, and, and soon it's just, it's been wild. My life is illegal. Like it sh- my, my story should not have happened the way it's happened. And I only can attest that it is because I sought God first above all else. And he has made everything else. And I'll tell you what, that sitting here dancing in the crowd with you guys for the first time, that is higher and greater than any project I've ever dealt with. That has been better than any business deal. It is better than any business venture. And I tell you, like, this is the stuff that eternity is made of. All that other stuff is fine. It's fun. Let's go do it. Let's, let's be excellent. Let's change the world. But this is the kingdom of God right here. And if we've missed this, we've failed this weekend. That's not at all the message, but here we go. If you have a Bible, we're going to take a look at just a couple verses. And it's John 15, 5. And I think we have it here on the screen. This is great. So this is just one verse. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, everyone say abide, in me, and I in him He bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is the first statement of unity. This is, this is unity 101, is that we would be unified with Jesus. And this is the cross. The cost and the price of unity is the cross. It's not going on a retreat. It's not going to church. It's not having Christian friends. The price of unity is what Jesus did and brought access to you. Do you realize that before Jesus came here, that God existed in a tabernacle that only certain priests could enter at certain times of the year? Do you realize that we have an access to the the royal king of all kings, of all eternity? We have him in our heart. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that God himself dwells in our bodies and we are his temple. And so when Jesus is saying this, he's like, forget the OT, I'm in you. And when I'm in you, you will bear much fruit, you will change the world, and amazing things will happen at the helm of my hand. And he's like, it first starts with you and me. Flip two pages to John 17. And just remember, he said, you, us in him, and him in us, and then he goes on and says, Again, this is Jesus praying to the Father, says, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me. That the world may know that you sent me. The first key is the cross gave us access to Jesus. That is the gospel. 
The second part is that when we are fully unified with him and we, we come next to and we join with other people who have been fully unified with him is that a certain thing will happen and it is that the world would know that he came here and that he's alive. It's a powerful truth. First, we are united with him first, and then second, that we're connected with him. And so if you were to like look at the, at the summary, like the timeline, what does like the timeline of a Christian effectiveness mean? It's like, okay, first you're saved, then you become intimate with Christ, then we like join with other people, and then we save the world. That's how it's supposed to be. But we get it backwards, right? Don't we like, how can we change the world? Well, there's some people, let's go change the world. Oh, we better get to know God. Um, so God bless this thing that we've already done, and oh, please come into my heart. You know, we have it totally backwards here. We need to know that unity and change in the world starts in your heart. The power of the gospel to change the world starts in you. Acts 1.8 says that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be Christ's witnesses to all of the earth. It says first in Jerusalem and then to Judea and to all of Samaria. And so for people, that's like the, the world ended at Samaria. You know, it's like it was, it was huge. Jerusalem is your heart. The first witness that you have is the immediate people around you. If God cannot witness to your best friend that's sitting next to you right now, then you better rethink of the transformational work in God in your life. Because what makes you think that if, if I can't be here and I can't like tell my, my best friends about Jesus, what makes me think that God will give me a stadium full of, of unbelievers? I mean, I must first respond to those who are around me to say, God, you have transformed me and I have nothing to be ashamed about of those who are around me. Come on now. Amen. <laughs> So what does this mean? This means that there's a huge trap because uh, uh, nights like this are, are awesome. But you know what? A corporate move of God like we just had does not translate all the time to personal intimacy. Just because amazing things happened, just because people were dancing, that doesn't mean that every person had a God connection in the heart. We hope it did. But don't ever let an amazing teacher or preacher or an amazing worship band or amazing art, I mean, don't let any of these things ever be the substitute for your personal relationship with God. Awesome. Because you cannot be united with Christ by uniting with others first. You must first unite with Christ and then you have a bond with others. I have a new bond with everybody I danced with. It was great. We'll never look at each other the same. We're like, yeah, I remember that. And, and this explains a very difficult passage. And I don't want you guys to turn that. I just want you to listen. And in Matthew 7, this, this troubled me for a long time. And, and someone comes up to Jesus and like, Jesus, like, we like prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did all these things. We built like millions of churches. It doesn't say that. But essentially, he, he said that. And Jesus, do you know what Jesus said? He says, I never knew you. Have you ever read that and you're like, oh, dear father, what does that mean? I'm just going to turn to the back, you know, like skip that passage. You know what that means? That means is that what happens here does not translate to the inner transformation of your heart. That means that the corporate transformations, the corporate great things do not translate to you. Do you notice what they say? It says, we did this, we did that, we did that. Jesus says, I never knew you. It's a powerful truth. Proof of unity is knowing that we've broken through that corporate power. Unity with Christ is, 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 has to transcend this. And what happens when we transcend this is that we step into a powerful and amazing realm where his thoughts and our thoughts begin to commingle. Are you with me? Unity with Christ, what he did with the cross. Remember, the cross paid for everything. It opened up every new game. It changed everything. Is that your thoughts and his thoughts become intermingled. 
And Isaiah says, come, let us reason together. What? The, the king of all the universe is asking us to come and reason with him? That makes no sense. And so we, we need to know that often when we come and we unite with Christ is that we need to know that there is different signals coming in. We need to know that God is going to use our emotions and our feelings to speak to us. Because God is not, I mean, I don't know about you, but God doesn't come to me in like a James Earl Jones voice like, Eric, you know? It's not like that. But it's a still, small voice. It's the pinging of my heart. It's the move that God is like kind of nudging me. And I got to realize that that emotion that I have at that instance is, is something that, that moves me. That's like, God, you're in this somewhere. There's a girl, and I won't say her name, but she's here tonight. And we don't know each other very well, but I know her story. But I'll tell you what. Before I know her story, I met her, and I just like, I just, I can't explain why my heart breaks for you. I never told her that, but internally, I'm just like, I'm weeping for this, this girl. I don't know what is behind that story, but I know there's something. And so I told a couple of our leaders, and it's amazing what actual reality is. And so it has been a powerful work that God speaks to us through our emotions to highlight people and instances and opportunities that we must take advantage. If we look at those times, we're like, gee, that burrito didn't sit well. You know, like, we're going to totally miss God. When we like well up and tear up, like I, I was looking at some of the verses and so I, I'm not an emotional guy, but all of a sudden I'm like feeling like, oh Lord, what are you speaking to me through that word? We gotta recognize that God is in the, the tiniest of details. We have to have our ears open and our eyes wide open. And what happens in this is that we get the right message from God. When we unify our hearts with Christ, we get the right message now, why is the right message okay? The right message is because the gospel is not a one-size-fits-all. People, uh, let, let me tell you, that in America, I mean, stone me if I'm wrong, but you're not going to find too many people in America like, I want to tell you about Jesus. There's a man who lived 2,000 years ago, and you really need to hear about him. Like, most people are going to be like, I've been Jesus to death, thank you. Like, people don't need to know about the man Jesus. Everyone knows about the man Jesus pretty much in America, but they don't know the right message that Jesus has for them. Jesus does not need to be described to people. People need to know what Jesus thinks about them. Are you catching me? That people don't need to be told about Jesus. They need to know what Jesus thinks about them. And that means that it transcends everything. It's just not Jesus loves you. It's not just that. It's a specific inexplainable what your emotions and what your heart stirs. It gives you details and it moves you in such a powerful way. But we, we kind of find ourselves like selling Jesus like an iPhone or like, you know, detergent or something like, well, it, you know, you spray it here and you throw it through like the laundry and it kind of gets the wash out, you know? It's like we, we give the gospel like your life will suck a little bit less once Jesus is in the picture. It's not a very good sales pitch if you don't mind me suggesting. We don't, we, we, we like to get Jesus into an easy box that fits in our schedule. And I'll tell you how the real power of God really comes out. And I saw this on display last week is that there's a, a person that's been around our ministry for a while. We've known about him, and, and I haven't personally known about him, but I walked out in the parking lot, and there he was, and he came to our group for the first time in a long time. And one of our guys in the ministry, he walked up to him, and, and sensing just the burden of his heart, sensing the burden of his shame, and he grabbed him by the shoulder, and it's like, we love you, and the Lord wants to know you that all the things your father said about you are not true, and, and this is what the Lord says about you. And he instantly started to weep. How much more are you proving the existence of God than that? Reading someone's mail? It's awesome. But it takes an acute awareness of God's word and God's heart and intention. It takes 
Amazing boldness, because you just can't do that automatically. You, you, you get the privilege of that by spending the intimate times with Jesus. You get the privilege to tell someone about what Jesus thinks about them by first going to Jesus and spending some time alone and hearing what his voice is. And it actually happened to me on my, my first time ever visiting our church. I was married for a year, maybe less. And again, I wasn't really strong in my faith, and I walk in, and Eric Watery pulls me aside, and he's like, and I just like, hey, I'm Eric. And he's like, let's go over here. I was like, okay. <laughs> if you know Eric, you know how that goes. <laughs> he's like, am I in trouble? <laughs> and he's like, you have an anointing on your life. I'm like, I what? You know, like, I, I, I wasn't grasping. He's like, you have an anointing on your life for business and for ministry. And he, he, of course, he didn't know that I was in, in business. I could have been like a musician. I would have been like, you're an idiot. Like, I don't, like, what are you talking about? But no, he, he knew, and then he also identified that in my heart I was longing for God. Where does ministry come into my life? Because I was juggling business, ministry. And I thought that if I'm really sold out for God, I have to go be a missionary to some country I don't like. And I was always afraid of that. Like, I felt like I don't want to be like the really lame guy, or I don't want to be like, you know, I, I just don't, I don't want to be that. I want to do what I really enjoy. And, and, and so epic life for me is the embodiment of that God has given us specific talents and ambitions and that he is in those. It's like a hand in a glove. And so it was liberating for me to see like, okay, I can do business and ministry. It's great because I get to fund great ministries with my business. I get to work on nonprofits and start churches with my business. It's awesome. And it gives me the freedom to be here. Like, I don't have a boss to answer to on Tuesday if I want to sleep in. It's okay. Like, it's awesome, and so I, I found freedom in that. And all of us in here, we all have terrible cell signal, right? And it's all driving us nuts. And you're like, I cannot wait to start Facebooking, you know? <laughs> I'm watching out for you. I got the, the improper amen one time when I was like, I'm just a schmuck with a microphone, I get an amen from Brittany back there. Not the right time. But how many of you guys know that if there's not a cell phone tower, there is no signal? As we all painfully know right now, there's not a tower close enough to give me stupid service to my darn phone. You and I are cell phone towers for God. Where we go, we broadcast the signal of Christ. We broadcast what he thinks about the world and, and each other. And so that is why God is, is saying, go and make disciples of all nations. Go be a cell phone tower somewhere and broadcast where you're at. And what he's going to do is he's going to broadcast what he thinks when we're connected with him. And the gospel is given so much more power. We're able to commute the Father's heart for his generation. We can understand the Father's heart, what he thinks, the burdens that he has for us. And correcting our identity, that is when it comes. See, we, we think that we're, we just need the access to the right people. And it's access to the right message. And we need to know that when we go, that God is going to be faithful to give us opportunities. We, we try and overthink ministry a little bit. We try and overthink like, oh, i got to do something good for Christ. What am I going to do? Oh, think, you know, you're like, let's do, and, and that's not exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't come up and like, we need a five-point plan to change the world. Like, he didn't do that. He simply responded to the opportunities that were presented before him. People came and he simply responded. We need to know that ministry is happening around us as much as we want to observe it. There's always an opportunity. Galatians 6, 9 says, as you have the opportunity to do good, then do it. Don't overthink it. 
Jesus will open up an opportunity at the right time to do great things, and the gospel will be put on display. But here's what's wrong, is that the church at large, my opinion, the church at large has made a lot of us believe that God doesn't speak to us. The church at large, I would argue, would say that, that God only speaks through a Sunday pastor, you know, through his exact written word, and, and maybe something else. I can't think of another one. <laughs> but I would say that the, the concept that the living God is speaking to me was something that, like, it sounds true, but I have really not experienced it. If you cannot hear from God, then you will not be able to tell people what God thinks about them. If you cannot hear his voice and know what it sounds like, then we need to, to take a hard truth and acknowledge that we're probably babes in Christ. Paul says, like, I would give you more, but you're just, you're babies in your faith. We don't want to be babies. I'm having a baby in seven weeks. I'm like looking forward to the 3 a.m. feedings. It's going to be miserable. And I'm like, I can't wait till I'm feeding you a steak and not a bottle or, you know. And it's going to be painful, but we, we go from our faith, we start young, and we get little bits. And so, not to throw a fire hose in the mouth, but we need to know that we progress in a relationship with God to where we have more intimacy. If I bought an encyclopedia about the woman and expected that I'd have a good marriage from just reading about the woman, it wouldn't work very well. My wife would like hit me over the head with a frying pan, which she doesn't cook uh, a whole lot, so she wouldn't do that. She, she's a horse vet. She probably would hit me with like some horse tranquilizer or something. <laughs> True intimacy is gonna come through the de- development of our time together. I hear her, she hears me. We commune, our eyes connect, our hearts connect. I have a great relationship with my wife because I put effort into it, not because I read a book, not because I, I listened to some guy who says, here's five tips on how to have a good marriage, you know? It doesn't work. It's not going to work with God. Stop trying to find the, 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 the formula to Christianity. It's not a formula. I, I've been looking for the formula for years, and the only formula I know is that it's Jesus. Such a bummer answer. You're like, I, I thought I'd have more than that. It's like, it's Jesus. Jesus is it, it's it, it's it, it's it. Amen. Oh man, so burdened by it. <laughs> but this, this infection that, that, oh, I don't hear from God. If someone asks like, what does is, what, what is God sound like? Who is God? And we're like, I don't know, go ask that guy. Like we failed. And then there's the other side where it's like boogeyman evangelism where like, you don't want to die and go to hell. Like, that doesn't work. Like, I don't know anybody who's ever been scared into, into salvation. Like, certainly we could appeal more to that than like, you'll burn forever, so don't want to do that. So here's a loving God. You know, like it just doesn't, I, I, I can't get there. But when we have these these. The, these uh, improper ideas and, and things that we think to be true and we go out and we try and, and change the world, we're, we're infecting more people with this bad virus. And I believe that God gives us grace and that's why we have times here where we unify, we connect, we join our minds, our hearts, and that he labors us to know him more. Because do you know that all cell phone towers are on the same frequency? They're not on different frequencies. The reason that cell phone towers is that they're broadcasting the same message. And so I, I would argue that we have an ineffective gospel because we are, are communicating Jesus in a trillion different ways. 
and not in the right way. So Jesus, in unity with him, will give us the right message that he loves individuals. He will give us specific words and he'll give us specific uh, ways to communicate to this generation that are not one size fits all. Philippians 2.2 says, Be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. You know, it wasn't many purposes. It's not different ones. It's like trying to like have a Bible and, uh, I have my Bible on the iPad, sorry. Uh, it's like, here's what we do. We have a Bible here and we're like communicating. Like, it works as a great paperweight. It's awesome. It works as a, as a great, um, you know, if, if your car needs to like not roll back in the garage, it can like stop the tire, you know. It's, uh, it has a, a good piece of artwork that can frame it. And that's what we do. We, we couch Jesus in all these different ways and we're not speaking the same message. We need to be in tune with him so we hear exactly what it says because I've always known that God said the same thing. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order and peace. Ah. <sighs> All right, I'm getting overworked here. <laughs> but when we unite with him and we have the same message, we begin to change the world. I believe, and this is a quote from Dwight Hill, that we live in a community where everybody around us, they're in quiet desperation. That we live in a, in a world where, where people are in quiet desperation, looking out for someone to hear, someone to know, someone to take a, a role in their life, to give them significance. Is that you? Don't we all long to have significance? Don't we all long to do something that like means something? Surely God did not create you to absorb oxygen and spit out CO2. Surely there's a greater purpose of him creating you. And the challenge we have is that we let the world give us this, this false identity and we let the world beat us up on our identity. My Bible says that I was predestined and that I was chosen before the foundations of the earth, before the heavens were made, before the earth were formed, all of that stuff. He chose me, I'm his son. Before I did one single thing wrong. He chose me before all of the other stuff came into being. He knew everything and he chose me. So certainly he destined me for a great purpose. Not to simply exist. Not simply to get married. Not simply to start a business. Have 3.5 kids and a picket fence or all those things. Surely he created me for something great. And he created you for something great. But what we do is we have life is a burden, it's a beast, and it's a bear, and what it does is it cracks that perfect identity. Because that is the perfect identity, that you are God's sons and daughters, and that you are picked by him. He created you on purpose. And so when you have self-doubt, and you have remorse, and you have insecurity, you have all these things, and God is like, what are you doing? I love you. I made you. Stop wrecking yourself. I made you exactly how I wanted, and I want a deeper relationship with you. And I wish I had a mirror here, because what I would do is I would say, this is God's perfect picture, and I'd take a hammer, and I'd crack, and I'd say, that is the effect of the world, as in we try and look at ourselves through this broken mirror. And what God is going to do is he's going to take that mirror, and he's going to piece by piece put it back together. And he, what he's going to do is he's going to show us the right, and he's going to show us the right picture of who we really are. I was in El Salvador many times, but down there is something interesting, that there is a huge... I think hurricane or, or some crazy natural disaster that hit El Salvador a couple decades ago. And you go in there and all the natural bridges got like torn out, just wrecked. And so their, their bridges got rebuilt, but there's these little signs that were like, this was rebuilt by Japan. <laughs> like that is so random. Like, all right. 
I really believe that each of us are natural disasters that are waiting to be rebuilt by somebody. And God is going to use the funding to equip his saints, you and I, to rebuild the brokenness of this world. And that each of us will bear, not the, I was cured and and fixed and made whole by Japan, but by a name. Do you have someone in your life that has totally transformed you that you bear their name on your shirt? Because God works through his people. We reach the people to the world. And so you and I must surely be influencing people for Christ where they were like, my life was changed because that person spoke hope when I was in despair. It's important that we, we recognize the significance of a world. God is not gonna let our lives waste away and never use us. We just need to look harder. And so as we live together in that unification, people around us will begin to wear the names of those who've helped made them whole. And the center, the funding source, the core of it is Jesus, if we're listening. Are you listening? You wanna know what my greatest fear in life is? I'm gonna make it interesting. Make you wait. My greatest fear, and, and I would say we, we think about heaven, and we're like, I'm going to stand and give an account. And what we do, we think of all the things we did wrong, right? Like, oh man, I did this, I did that, I did that. I, I don't know what's with our leaders, but I too had an issue with swearing growing up. I don't know. <laughs> Lord intervene. I don't have that issue now, so okay, but... But I, you know, I, I had a ton of other issues. I had issues in relationship. I would steal. I've committed horrible things that friends know. Um, I've done a lot of, like, things that I'm really not proud of. And I don't fear those things at the end of life. Do you know what I fear? I fear that I'm going to be shown a, a, a reel of all the missed opportunities that I missed. Not the things I did wrong. Not the things, like, not my sin. Because Jesus' word says that, that he has separated the, the sins as far as the east from the west. God says, like, for my sake, I've separated them, and I remember them more for my sake, not for your sake. That's a powerful word. So I don't fear that I'm going to go there and see all of my sin and be like, and get this big finger. God is not going to partner with shame to bring you closer to him. Shame is from the enemy. God is going to give you hope and a right identity to bring you to him. So I don't expect there to be shame when I go to heaven. But what I do expect is I expect the fullness and knowledge of what I missed, because I know that I have the free choices in my life and I can miss every opportunity if I choose. It is my choice. I believe the will of God is something that he reckons with us. We just did a study in the will of God and I, I can tell you that I have the complete power to royally jack up my life if I want to. And so do you. God is not gonna prohibit us from a horrible, mediocre existence. He's not gonna prohibit us from totally messing it all up. And so we have the power that if God is going to give us opportunities, that we have the choice to participate and respond. He's not going to force us into doing great things. And so I fear that I'm going to see the lost and broken souls that I encountered and I said no to the opportunity. That is what I fear. It's not shame. It's just knowing what really happened. And I think that we don't have all the time the the eyes of, of identity of people around us that we play a part in fixing that mirror. Are you with me? I'm going to end with this. There's an amazing room up there. Has anybody been up there? Okay. Outside this door, around the corner, there's a door. And you, you walk in there and the door says, remove your feet because you're on holy ground. It's a Bible verse. I forget which. Shoes. Shoes. Sorry. Remove your feet. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to need some help on this one. 
Thank you. <laughs> I give my hands and feet to you literally, Lord. Take off your shoes, and you go up there, and there's this, this amazing, like, just prayer and worship room. And you go in there, and there's, like, little curtains. There's, there's pillows on the floor, and there's candles, and there's journals and amazing things. You turn the corner again, and there's a door, and it says the secret place. It is. And he opened the door, and inside, you, you go into probably the, the worst space in, on the entire property. It's got the, 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 there's nothing on the wall, like it's all like sheetrock exposed. There's, there's uh, AC tubes on the top. It's this attic. It's, it's the, the worst space on the entire property here. Are you with me? And in there are covered wall to wall, every single inch with cries out to the Lord, prayers to him in all colors and all markers, on the ceilings, on the AC vents, everywhere. It is marked with his praises. And it's called the secret place. And it's, it's aligned with even like a, a soft little padding. And on the padding, because there's no more room to write in that room, there are prayers. Jesus, you saved me. You've redeemed me. I am yours. The, it is the most amazing place. Spend three minutes in there and tell me you don't cry reading some of the things on the wall. Tell me that you walk in that room and you don't feel the spirit of the Lord doing this. It's like, hello, Jesus. It's amazing. And the most powerful thing I think about that is then that there's two chairs. It's really weird. There's, there's two chairs, and on, on one chair it says God, and the other chair it says you. Isn't that the truth? That there is a waiting chair. God's already sitting in it. He's just waiting for you to come into the secret place and to sit with him. He's waiting for you to come join him in the secret place, and he wants to commune and talk with you. These are the things that the cross afforded us. Unity starts with Jesus in that secret place. The only thing missing is your butt in that chair. Isn't that right? I, I've come to, to the amazing burden that I am as close to God as I want to be. If I really want to be closer to God, then I know what I have to do. I have to spend time with him. But I, I have to reckon with my existence that, that I have the, the power myself to be as close or as far as to God as I want to be. And my choices play a part in that. So the question is to you tonight, how close do you want to be to God? Stop waiting for a program. Stop waiting for a retreat. Stop waiting for a, a five-step program. Stop waiting for a book by Joel Osteen or any great authors. They're great people, but don't let that be the formula for your relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus has a name for you. He knows your voice. We're talking about how that, um, I think Eugene somewhere, Sharon, I, I forget the original context, but it was like, if we were in a crowded sea and my wife shouted my name, a sea of people, and shouted my name, I could hear it. I know my wife's voice. I know when she calls, I know every inflection of her voice, and so she calls, I hear it no matter what the noise, and Jesus knows your voice. We know that we have the confidence of Christ. First John 5.13, that we come before God and we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Well, do you know what the will of God is? The will of God is that you are known by him and he's known by you. That is the will of God. And so as the band comes up here, I just want to close and just give us just an exhortation just to, to go deeper. And thank you so much for opening up the floodgates of, of worship tonight, guys. It's amazing. <laughs> I want you to think about this. 
I want you to think about in the tragic event that tomorrow you die, what would you want said about your life at your funeral? Who would be there? Who would stand up? Who would say, this person changed my life. I bear the name of this person on my life because they brought me to Christ, because they showed me Christ. Maybe it was that they helped me break free of all the religious just you know, piety and routine, but I never knew who I was in Christ, that, that someone helped clarify that mirror. And it's, it's, it's a call for us to know that we live amongst people who are living in quiet desperation right now, wherever we are, and our jobs are to show them that there's an empty chair next to the eternal king. Amen. <laughs> Our job is to show the world that there is an empty chair next to the king. And that he has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful idea and plan and picture and relationship ready for every person that's in here. Praise God. So Lord, we just ask you tonight as we just come before you and worship God. We, we pray that you would give us a burden, Lord, to, to, to stop telling people simply about Jesus and showing people Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would communicate the heart of the Father to this generation. God, a, a generation that is fatherless, a generation that has been said that you are no good, that you rejected, that you're a mistake. Jesus, you've said that you've made zero mistakes, that you have chosen us by hand, each one individually. And so, God, we just trust you that you made no mistakes in this room. And so right now, I, just, I break every negative word that's ever been spoken over you and every negative word you've spoken over yourselves. I break the spirit of suicide in here that, that says that my life is not worth it, that it, it doesn't mean I can go on, that no one will notice. Lord, I pray right now that you would give hearts a reason to fight. God, a reason to fight and to draw closer with you, to know that there is goodness. And Lord, we, we take all the things that, that maybe we've mis made up and, and had mistakes. Lord, maybe we burned our life to the ground, but your word says that you exchange those ashes for beauty. So Lord, we just hand those ashes to you now. Father, would you just move in our hearts in such a powerful way now, Lord, I pray right now you just would whisper right now what you think of each individual person here. God, I pray that you would create the first sound that these ears have ever heard for some. I just ask you, what is he saying to you right now? In the stillness, I... I the Lord doesn't come in, in, in grand billboards and, and megaphones, but, but they come in these moments where he just labors your heart for something. And usually, for me, it's that he's proud of you, that he knows you, that he knows your desires, that he knows the dreams, he sees the tears, and he's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would just feel that you know. Lord, we're not going to be content with an extended Christianity, with a Christianity that just tells us we need to behave and, and, and go to church once a week and maybe own a Bible. Lord, we say yes to the communion with the king of this earth, of the eternal uh, uh, kingdoms, Lord, that, that we would commune with you. And so, Lord, we just say yes to that and just pray, Lord, that like now than never before that you would open the ears of our heart. Speak into us, Jesus, 
the power of hope, the power of identity. Lord, I also just canceled every lie that the enemy has for this generation, that we need to exchange bodies for acceptance, that we need to take uh, substance to, to fit in. That's not the power of God that is manufactured from the pit of hell. And so, Lord, we also, along with that, just break shame. Shame has no place in your kingdom. Shame is from the enemy. God will never partner in guilting you. He will never rub your nose in your sin to bring him closer to you. He will never guilt you into his presence. Jesus, I pray that you would correct and remove all the shame, Lord, that has been implanted into this generation to our hearts, the shame that we've labored on ourselves, Lord, we just pray that you'd lift it. Release hope in this room, Jesus. God, I, I pray that we would leave changed. God, we would come to a new depth of knowledge, a new concept of what we're missing when we miss out on communing with you. And so right now with every head bowed and, and every eye closed, I just wanna see, just slip up a hand. Is Jesus stirring in you tonight? Is he speaking to your heart tonight? Those who have their hands up, your work is to make people who can do the same. Jesus says, I will build the church, you make disciples. Your equipping right now is to communicate how you have gotten into a place where you can hear the presence of God, how you can know what he's saying into your life. There's a generation that is waiting to know how you have figured out how to break into eternity. And so I pray that God will release opportunity into you. He'll give you the words to say. He'll give you the insights. He'll give you deeper hunger for that. Jesus, would you do that now? And I want to see those of you who are like, I am at square one. Jesus, I need to know what your voice sounds like. God, would you help me? Could you lift your hand? Lord, I thank you for the humble heart. Hands in this room, Lord, that are reaching out to you, Lord. Symbolically, they're reaching up to the heavens, Lord. James says, when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so, Lord, I just pray that you just would peel back the curtains of eternity and just meet them. Lord, meet them however you need. I prayed right now, Jesus, that you would give them such specific words of affirmation into their hearts. Lord, let them know that you have chosen them, that you are so impressed with them that you are delighted with them. God, I pray that they would have new ways and, 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 and hungers and desires to come into that place and hear that. And I pray that they would have the encouragement of all those around here in the room, Lord. We cannot be a generation that is deaf to the speaking of the eternal God. It will not happen in this place. So Lord, as we come to this knowledge that we have an eternal King who lives in us, who dwells within us, that speaks to us, Jesus, we pray that you do that in such a way that only you can. God, you'd said that, that you used to use prophets to speak to your people, but now because of Jesus, you speak directly to us because Jesus is in us. Lord, do that now. Allow us to stop waiting for someone else to communicate what God's saying. Allow us to stop waiting to hear what other people are telling us what God is saying. Lord, let us have new ways to hear directly from the source. 
and to tell the world. That's what we're here for, Lord. So I thank you, God, for the, the hearts, the hands. It was such a powerful time here tonight. We pray as we, we, we give these last worship songs to you, Lord, that you just would just sing sweet melodies to us now. You're such a great God. You're such an amazing Father. You've never failed, and you'll never leave. Ever, 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 ever. Amen.